such a part of me mm. that it's hard to like get away from certain things. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gotta it's not, happen. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, it yes it does. It's like you don't you know. It's it's what you know. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's 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 what you know. Do you ever feel like like we could be living differently? Because I didn't just want his headlights in the back of my head. Oh, this nigga think he gonna get out my way? Welcome to the Any Last Words pod. My name is Keon, a.k.a. Almighty the DJ. And I am Earl Lonnie Hooks. Special thanks to everybody joining us today on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, as well as YouTube. The God in me honors the God in each and every one of you. I believe last time I sort of took off on my my trip to Bowling Green, Kentucky. I believe you would like to take take us on a trip today, Keon. Yeah, I'm going to take you on a trip down uh, a little bit of memory lane, a little bit of present day. Okay. Um. So I went out of town this weekend to uh, Danville, Virginia. Don't know if you know where that is. It's in uh like Southwest Virginia. Uh, very very close to the North Carolina border. Um, and so I feel many different ways about going there. Um, I went a fair amount as a kid, not so much as an adult. I think I may have a little resentment about uh, Danville simply because um, my my father is very family oriented. He he makes it a priority like even as a child like now we're going to Danville like you know Danville this Danville that you know and even as an adult you know he's like no you got to be there you got to be there like you got you know what I'm saying and it's just it makes me it it I think it made me harbor a little bit of resentment with the place because it felt so forceful yeah at times right. you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. um but I went down there. I haven't been down there in maybe three or four years. Um, by the way, this has nothing to do with the family members down there. I love all those people, though. You know, all those people are great. Had You know, me not going there is not, you know, it's not painting a picture about my family whatsoever. Right. right. Um, but so I went down there for the first time in like four, I want to say maybe three or four years it's been since I've been down there. And my family, they go every year, maybe twice a year. Um. Ooh. Yeah, they go. They even went down there like for Halloween last year, which I thought was kind of crazy. I'm like, why are y'all going down here for Halloween? <laughs> um. But on top of that, I don't know if this is the, the city boy or the city slicker in me, but we don't do that. <laughs> the city slicker. <laughs> you have never used that before. Don't, don't, do not call yourself a city slicker <laughs> because you're not. What, what is like, you're not a city slicker. <laughs> no, I just wanted to use it because it sounded cool. I just, I thought about it on the way here. I was like, city slicker, city slicker. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm more, uh, I'm not a farm ass nigga. I'm not a farmy <laughs> in the middle of nowhere type of person. I'm more of a, I'm more of a suburban city dweller type of person. You know what I'm saying? Like that's more my scene. Yes. Danville doesn't have much of that. There's, there's not a lot going on. Uh, There's like, I was just telling you, there's not a lot of places to like 
go out and eat. It's just a lot of land, a lot of people's homes that just they've been there for a long time you know what i'm saying a lot of old stuff uh it's not a very developed place they do have a regional airport um but that's probably for private jets and whatnot um but there's just not a lot going on down there and you know it's it's i, I haven't been really enthused about going there so one might ask well what made you want to go this time um Honestly, I think I just I I part of me just kind of gave in and said, you know what, I'm just gonna go this time. I'm gonna I'm gonna go down there, and uh, you know, my my parents are always asking me when I'm gonna come. Uh, you know, this person wants to see me. That person's asking about me, and I'm just like, all right, you know what, I'm a I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go down there. And so, um, I go down there, and you know, I I get my son, um, who lives uh close to the area. He lives with his mother. Uh, down there, closer to that area, and um, I, you know, I go pick him up. I'm down there with my girl. You know, what I'm saying like we're gonna, like, you know, and I'm, and the thing is, is like I'm telling her about it. I'm just like, yeah, you know, we're gonna go down there. You know, kind of just probably just be chilling on the farm. You know, what I'm saying just a lot of, just a lot of land. You know, probably people gonna be making food. You know, mm-hmm. saying so on the grill. People gonna be sitting around chilling, talking, drinking. Like, yeah, you know, that's probably that's what it's gonna be. And. It got to the point where I even made it sound bad to her. Like I made it sound she she the whole time she mm. was thinking like, oh, you know, like this probably isn't going to be that cool. Like we're just going down here because it's something we feel like we need to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we got down there, got down to the farm. And I had a blast. I'm going to tell you why I had a blast. <laughs> so my, when I think, when I picture Danville, I just, I picture what it used to be, what, what the younger me presents it, what, what the younger me presents it in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, I, it presents it as, I got to go down here. My dad making me go down here. got to get down here. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's, it's, it's a priority. Like, uh. Right. And it also just the nothingness. And about around it. what age did this? Did he? Well, I guess when you became a man, I guess yeah, is when he, you, he, you yeah, yeah, yeah. He couldn't like make make me you with go him. anymore. Yeah, yeah, so we're talking about seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, I probably when. I've probably been down there maybe twice, maybe maybe a third time since I became an adult. But that's oh, like okay, almost but, twelve years ago, right? And they were making you go at least once a year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's yeah, it's a lot. It's a huge difference. Yeah. And so yeah, that makes it that makes a lot of sense because now we're talking about an adolescent Keon mm-hmm. and what the structure of one you having to go down there against your will, yeah. first and foremost. And then aside from that, I don't know if you remember, maybe maybe you can bring it back <clears throat> and recollect right now, but did you enjoy being around adults when you were a child when you were a teenager because i didn't uh not if it's just a bunch of adults but it wasn't like that in danville there were kids there Mm. there were oh you had a lot okay yeah there i have like you know cousins down there that are around my age yeah like i i had that there and it was always cool to see them but outside of that 
it was just a lot of nothing to me as a kid. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I don't think there I don't think there was a part of me that could appreciate it as much as I can because I have very after going down there this weekend or this past weekend, I have very different thoughts about it now. Uh, my my perspective on it has changed for a couple different reasons. Uh, some reasons that are material and some reasons that are, you know, I've just grown up and I just have a different perspective. Um, so we get down there, um, leave our hotel, we, we go to this farm. And when I say farm, I say that because that's literally what it is. You drive down a long dirt road and back in the day, this this land was owned by my great grandfather. Mm. Um, so I don't know who technically owns it now, but it's the land that's in the family. You mm. know what I'm saying? And that's cool. You know, now that I'm thinking about it at this age, I'm like, yo, my family owns land that they can do whatever they want with. Mm. And I'm just like, that's 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 good. That's that's awesome. That's great. Um, that's that's great to have. Um, but we get down there and like it's not as if I didn't know all these things were going on, but now that I've seen them in person, I have a completely different perspective. My parents purchased an RV that stays on that land. Mm. Um, my cousin, uh, one of my cousins also purchased an RV that stays on that land. Mm. So we got the RVs down here now, you know what I'm saying? You can escape into the AC <laughs> if you want to, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, cause before, it wasn't like that. It was just a farm with cows and a couple horses. You know what I'm saying? My grandfather moving down the land, you know what I'm saying? Calling the cows, calling the horses. You know, that's what it was back then. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Some crops. You know, <sighs> as a kid, like, that's cool. We see the cows. Like, that's cool. You know, you don't see cows that often. Do you ride the horses? Did you ride? No, we didn't ride the horses. Okay. Um, did not ride the horses. Um, but now, I, I want to say that the farm has has jumped into like what what is this the twenty first century twentieth century which one are we in you know twenty twenty first twenty first yeah like we've jumped into the twenty first century like they're actually they're doing some cool stuff down there now, um so you got the RVs you don't have to be forced to be standing out in the heat trying to get your shade under a tree, um which is great, and also like. My like between my parents and some other members of my family, they purchased four ATVs. Mm-hmm. Bro, I've never rode an ATV in my life, but I did last weekend. Right, that yeah, it was tight. That adds a lot of. Fun. It does. That adds a whole it lot. It does. Fun. Yeah, for sure. So like, we there's this initial kind of a square of land mm-hmm. where the art where the RVs are at mm-hmm. and you could ride the ATVs around that land as well but the farm if you take another path the farm goes like another mile back all the way to a creek we was on them ATVs just all down through the farm just everything like and I was just like yo but what's crazy is like I said I knew that those ATVs were down there I know they've been down there mm-hmm. But it, it took me actually going down there and, and experiencing what everyone else has been experiencing these last few years mm-hmm. that the ATVs and the RVs have been there. So on top of that, uh, one of my family members uh, brought a gun out there. Mm-hmm. They got targets on the trees. Like we just target practicing on the trees. Just okay. niggas down there shooting guns. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I'm just like, 
Oh, you've been hating. You've been hating for so many years. Like you've been missing out on so many, so many cool things down here. Um, they had the bonfires going mm-hmm. in front of the RVs. People sitting around, obviously, you know, people drinking. Some people out there smoking. Everybody's just having a good time. The adults don't care. Nobody, you know, it's not like back in the day when an adult would look when at you. you were a child. When I, yeah, <laughs> when you know, it's 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 so it's so different now. And I truly just appreciated it more because, like, the Keon now, the one that really doesn't mind being out in nature, you know, yeah. amongst the trees and amongst the elements. Um, I've grown to like that more because, you know, we talk about our hikes um, on here. We talk about how, you know, the fishing, you know, just the outdoorsy stuff. Like, we talk about that on here. And, like, I completely forgot to combine those elements, the elements of Mm. me that enjoy that now and the elements of Danville that have kind of always been that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I never, I didn't take those two pieces of my mind and connect them until I went down there last weekend. And, you know, that's, that's a lot of, you know, the, the RVs, the ATVs, the, the, the impromptu gun range, like, all that stuff is very material, but also the Keon now is can really can really get with that. The the sixteen year old Keon that was you know probably a little obnoxious, uh, you know what I'm saying maybe growing into a man, you know, kind of into himself mm-hmm. is just like I don't want to be sitting out here in, in the sun, like Ooh, yeah, sitting exactly. out here in the sun, like yeah, you know, like yeah, you know, I'm, I'm with my family, I'm with you know, we got the food going, like you know. But like I don't want to be out here like just in the middle of the, in the middle of this farm in the sun like I don't want to do that. What would you have wanted? Like what would have been the ideal sort of hangout? You and all your family, but where? Like at a mall or a bowling alley? Or- I don't. I don't. I don't know. You, you don't I, I'm not. Know. I'm not really sure what 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 would have pleased me at that point. Maybe it was just not being there at all. Maybe just being home. Being being at home. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere where I'm completely comfortable. I don't know. Uh, right. And then on top of that, it's it's a four and a half hour drive. I hate long car rides. I've been to Danville before. It is a long ride. Yes. Really? When? Uh, Alexis had a gymnastics meet down there. Oh. At some point okay. in time. Yeah. Okay. Drove down there for that. But, um. Yeah, man. Um, I had a great time. My son. So we're like, we're on the way to the farm, right? And I asked him, I'm just like, this is before I got to the farm, before I got to really take it all in. I'm asking him, I'm like, so what's your favorite part of like being down in Danville? Because he loves Danville. Mm. He loves going there. And he was like, the ATVs. And I'm just like, okay. He was not lying. <laughs> he that boy, because there's four of them. Right. He pretty much had one to himself the entire day. He was on that shit from when we got there to like 11 o'clock at night. He did not get Damn. off of that ATV. He did not get, like, he was giving people rides. He was he was racing me. You know what I'm saying? I forget that he's just like a young man. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's growing up. I forget. <laughs> he's growing up. He's growing up. He's really budding into a teenager. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it's it's really interesting because it's like, so we had to make him get off the ATV so he can eat and have some water. 
Like, he would not get off the ATVs. We had to stop him. <laughs> like, yo, go over here, eat a hot dog, drink a bottle of water. Like, right. you not like you need sustenance. Yeah. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, you know, he got the pouty face. He getting off. And, I, you know, I take an opportunity to hop on. The, me and uh, me and Antoinette, we got on that. You know, we was like, well, he not on it. Let's take a, let's take a spin real quick. He scarfed that food down in that water. And he was just standing by the RV just waiting for us. <laughs> and so, like, you know, we spin the block, you know, come back around to him. He was like, when are y'all getting off? <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's like, when are y'all, y'all going to be done? <laughs> I guess right now, Corey. And is that what happened? You all promptly got um, off the ATV? And I think him- we went around, like, one more time. Yeah. and then uh, And then we got off. But it's just like, damn, he was just real pressed. <laughs> um, but I have a new perspective on on Danville, um, and it took it, it took a while for me to to really to get down there and take it all in. Because if I never went down there, I would never be thinking about it in this way. Exactly. You know what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. So shout out to all the Danvillians, all the Dan villains. <laughs> Um, I had a good time. Uh, shout out to all my family down there. Like I said, this had nothing to do with them, um, right? Because you know I love all those people. Um, and I even met some new family members. You know, some people that have never met me before. You wow. know, so that was cool too. Um, but yeah, man, I had a great time, and I have a completely different perspective on that. On that, I will be visiting much sooner uh, than I have been uh, as of lately. Okay. So, yeah, man. All right. Very yeah. cool. Uh, so you just touched on something. Which is going to be a, a weird sort of segue, but this is the idea of younger Keon and this incalculable sort of mass of variables that came together to make that person who they were, give you the insight that you had at that time, and make you interested in the activities that you were interested in at that time versus who you are today. Mm-hmm. They're clearly very different, clearly very different perspectives. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, read this story that everybody's been reading about, we've been talking about, and and then I'm going to ask you a question about who you feel like maybe you could have become in life had certain variables been switched around in certain instances in your life been changed for the better, the worse, or just been an alternate way of moving through this stream of life. All right. So the story is the one of Aiden Laos. Okay. In California. Orange, was it Orange County, I believe? I think or- so. Just Orange, Orange, California. Okay. So if, if, if people are listening to this and they, and they do not know, Two arrests have been made now. <laughs> in the shooting of Aiden Laos, a six-year-old boy who was killed in an apparent road rage incident in Orange, California last month. So pretty much what happened was Aiden Laos, six-year-old boy, and his mother were driving. Mm-hmm. And... I what from what they're saying, she made 
possibly a bad decision mm -hmm. in switching lanes mm -hmm. and cut these two people off, mm -hmm. these Marcus Anthony Eras and Wen Lee, mm -hmm. 24 and 23 in age. Mm. And then they proceeded to pull a gun out and shoot into the back of the car, right? which pierced Aiden. Mm -hmm. And then they scurried off afterwards. Yep. And then later on, the boy died in the mother's arms. Right. And I believe that's as far as, you know, the story is really gone there. The way I, you know, you see people talking about this is what the fuck is going on? Mm -hmm. What state of mind do you have to be in to get cut off on the road and then pull a gun out and shoot a car? And that's an interesting question to ask. It is a very interesting question to ask. What state of mind do you have to be in in order for that to be your response? And it's very interesting because just this morning I was listening to a couple of philosophers talk about good and evil, what that means to us, how we can sort of how we can gauge it in people, if, if at all we really can. And how in Buddhist and Hindu texts, good and evil don't really don't really map onto our way of looking at things as good and evil so much. It's good and evil is more so enlightenment and wisdom versus ignorance and stupidity. And that's a very interesting way of looking at things the further you dive into it. And I think about... I believe the football player's name is Aaron Hernandez. Right. Right. There have been, you know, plenty of people like him in our lives in which we haven't had the insight during the transgressions made to understand why the people are doing whatever wild shit they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then we develop new technologies and new insights and then now postmortem we can we can we now have the what is it the that they do for CTE, CTE. right so now they have the the processes to find CTE but only posthumously right and it does not absolve the crimes of the person but it does give further insight into why they're doing the things that they're doing right so uh, expression that I've heard recently is you're, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Mm, okay. So, and then, so one of these philosophers I was saying, I was listening to while bringing together all this Buddhist and Hindu speak and good and evil, he was saying, there's going to be a time later on in which more insight will be given to us and we'll be able to build further technology that will give us a little bit more understanding into how the brain works because there's so much that the brain's doing that we have no idea about today. 
And then we can understand psychopathy a bit more. Mm. These illnesses just weighing in on people's brains and their minds. And it'll probably give us a completely different outlook on ethics. And none of this is to say that, again, I don't want this to be misconstrued, that this was not a heinous crime and that they don't deserve every bit of the law that's (laughs) that's coming their way. It's not that at all. But it but again, the question that arises when people read these stories is what's going on in his mind? What where do you have to be to get cut off and then shoot someone? I just don't understand it. That's what people say. You're right. We don't understand it. But it would be a very interesting thing one day to be able to have better insight in how would it change the way that we look at people if if we thought that they weren't necessarily evil for evil's sake. They were just more so unlucky than anything. Unlucky as far as what? Well, Aaron Hernandez had CTE. He killed people. There have been murderers that have killed people and been in wonderment of why they're doing it. And then afterwards realize that they have had tumors pressing on their amygdala, Mm. things like that, that that are wrong with them. Mm -hmm. So in that same light that we can understand later on, this was the reason they acted this way. I don't know how long, but just later on in life, we gain new insight through new technology, whatever, new machinery that'll show us a further degree of psychopathy for people. And then we'll be able to tap in further into the the dealings of why people are doing the things that they do. And you'll have possibly, even though the full extent of the law will still be on them because it is their responsibility still, we could probably harness more compassion for the people that have what are mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what it comes down to. Right. Full extent of the law, but compassion at the same time of this is what was going on in your brain. You have something you, to say? When you say compassion, like how do are you saying just having the feeling of compassion for these people? Or are you just are you how do you put it in action? Yeah, are you yeah, are you putting it in action? Like what how? How how do you put that in well, that that's the thing. I mean, it's it's so. It is probably case by case scenario. Uh-huh. Again, compassion is really just the understanding of what took place and the desire for that person to still have the best outcome possible for right. themselves, which is probably the best outcome for everybody. In a, in a sense, once you get past your your biases and your hate and all that stuff. But I think that we we do it now. We we send people to prison, but we still try or hope for rehabilitation. And in that sense, that is that is a a gauge of of recommendation and compassion at the same time. 
Emphasis. That's which is which is why we don't just kill everyone that goes to prison for things. Well, I was gonna say emphasis on that word hope. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, listen, <laughs> everybody's not just gonna pop out and just be. That's not the way it works. That's not the way people work. But I also feel like I don't know that, at least the prison system in America, I don't, I don't know how, like, how much rehab is really happening. Like, how much work are they actually putting into that? I, dude, I, have, I don't, hear, I I don't not, hear a lot about it. Yeah, no, I'm not well versed enough in that realm to be able to tell you. I don't know what the reformation is. I don't know what Kim Kardashian and her friends are out here trying to do. I don't know if it's just trying to get people out for petty crimes or if they're really trying to reform the prison system and try to implement new ways of rehabilitation, Mm. getting people real, real help with therapists and things like that. I don't know if any of that's taking place at all. Yeah. That would be interesting to get into. But I thought I'd ask you, do you feel like, because we've all been in the past doing some wild, heinous things, mm-hmm. and I wonder if you ever think about the the gratitude one that you ought to have for not being any of these people mm-hmm. because if you had a certain brain that was of the same cloth of the brains of these people, mm-hmm. then you would be doing these things. Mm-hmm. And so in a sense, you were just very lucky to not have these same brains, these same okay. psyches in the same you know, nurturing effects as well, being brought up in the family you were in the environment that you were. Right. But there were points in your life where you weren't always doing the best things. You weren't living up to being the best Keon. Right. And do you ever think about some of the doors that you maybe peeked into, got your foot in, and was like, oh, no, nah, this ain't for me. I should probably close this. I should probably get out of here. Some of the lanes that you could have taken and things could have really gone left mm-hmm. if you continued down that path or if you had gotten caught for something mm-hmm. <laughs> that maybe you did and you just didn't get caught for because I have those. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you've, you you know, it's it's a very interesting thing because then that leads you on down a road that it would be very difficult for you to see now being the person that you are. Right. Um, no, absolutely. I, I think I've expressed on this podcast that I do dwell in the past. I think about a lot of things that have already occurred. I think about the what ifs, what if I didn't do this? What if I didn't do that? I think about that stuff all the time. Um, I, you know, that's the nostalgia lover in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, Absolutely. I I think about the different ways, the different trajectories um, for my life. Um, And I I really appreciate the the bit of sensibility that my younger self did have Mm -hmm. um, to be able to pull myself out of certain situations um, and, you know, change myself for the better. You know, I was never a bad kid or anything like that, but everybody gets into a little bit of shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it, it, it feels good knowing that I've, I've had the people around me to back me up and to steer me in the right direction. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? Um, I, I often think about, you know, growing up in, you know, like being born 
out in DC. You know what I'm saying? Like DC is a great place, but there's also a lot of a lot of crime mm-hmm. that happens in DC. A lot of people getting killed. I hear about somebody getting killed every other day in DC. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think about that stuff too. Like, what if I'd never moved to Virginia? What kind of person would I be mm-hmm. if I just grew up right there in Southeast? Like, mm-hmm. what you know what I'm saying? Like, what what? And I'm not saying I'm not even saying that that could be. I could have been. I'm not saying I would have been a murderer. I'm not right. saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But what what if I'd never left that environment, which in reality is a harsher environment? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Growing up out here in the suburbs where we grew up, like it wasn't it wasn't you know shit happens, but it wasn't like in the inner city. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I think about stuff like that. Um, what I don't know if I. Well, yeah, no, yeah. I mean that, that's, that's pretty much it. Because yeah. when we were younger, we're just much more impressionable beings. Absolutely. And so, depending Absolutely. upon who you, who, what circle you jump into, and right. decide to be an active participant of, right. that can change a lot for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So I don't know who these two guys. I don't know how they grew up. I don't know anything about them, but I just know that wherever they are mentally, mm-hmm. it's. So far from where I am, mm-hmm. but I but it's still it's still a path though. There's so many of these these motifs in in stories that we that we read that we watch on screen of the archetypes of the the hero and the villain, and that many of the time you see that they were on the same path a lot of the time in their own ways in that it was just a few variables that made one the hero and one the villain. Mm-hmm. And I I think about that. I think about that a lot. Who, who you could become in life and how it just so easily slips away from certain people. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that people thought that they were on the right path and then just they took a wrong step here and a wrong step there and then now they're just lost. Mm-hmm. Again, it can happen I, like that. It can happen. Yes, because sometimes it's just a couple of very, very bad decisions. Yep. So that's that's what this story makes me think of. I don't know, again, either one of these boys, but... There is something terribly wrong in their approach to things. You and I have both had run-ins with road rage recently. Yeah, yours was a lot funnier. <laughs> I just got a go, fuck you, and a middle finger out the out the window. <laughs> and you know it is what it is. <laughs> you you got a dude to stop his car yeah. and just open up his door and just look at you with yeah. a straight face. Yeah, just he I hoping my, for you to say something else. I honk my horn because he was in the way clearly, and he just he opened his door, turned around, <laughs> looked at you, looked at me in for a solid five or six seconds. That's so a long, long time. It's a very long time. To look into somebody's to, eyes. It is. To look into stranger's eyes. Yeah, it's an extreme, in a stranger. That's yeah. a very, very long time. And he ain't say shit. He just closed his door and he kept going. But I don't know what he was thinking about doing or what he was thinking about in that very moment. Right. And, and, and that's the thing. That's, that's it. these very precarious moments in life that's the sort of stuff I'm talking about. Mm. All you had to do 
was open up your door. And, and, and if and if you didn't quite have the level headedness that you have, you didn't have the emotional regulation that you do. That could have been a completely different story. Right. Right. I couldn't have been getting a call from Antoinette. Something about so this this so Keon's in the hospital because <laughs> he decided he was gonna hop out of his car after this dude hopped out of his car. And it wouldn't have been funny. And in the time <laughs> when I was driving to work and that dude was on my ass, right? And I just swerved over to let him go. I didn't. There was no. There was no cutoff. There was nothing. I was polite, mm-hmm. and I veered off the side of the road on the shoulder to let someone continue to go because I didn't just want his headlights in the back of my head. Oh, this nigga think he gonna get out of my way? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he, think he gonna get out of my way? Oh, oh, which oh, yeah. It, it, oh, it seemed like. He, <laughs> they felt bad, like they got called out on the fact that they were doing something wrong, and uh, they didn't like the way that that made them feel. Oh man, I can see that. I can yeah. See that. Like, oh, what you don't like the way I drive? Okay, well I'm gonna show you something there. <laughs> and then to get out of the car in the middle of the street, and again, if I had taken that left, I just saw this person standing in the middle of the street. It would have just been a completely different story. So. That type of thing happens all the time, but I, I just, it is it is very, very strange to me, but also so interesting. And I'm so curious about, about people's sight, people's visual prowess. I've been having this conversation with a friend for a couple of days about their, their anger getting out of hand, mm-hmm. like them snapping out. Mm-hmm. And me being who I am, I just love to observe mm-hmm. things like that. So, you know, they say it's it's very good that you don't really snap out in situations. Like, you don't allow your emotions to run with you. Like, people have said this to you? Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is. Because if, if I was that person, then this would be a disaster every time. It it takes It would take a lot for me to come out of my character like that. So much. But but for me, I'm so I'm so curious about the way that people are. And I know from years of communication, studying that once someone gets upset, they say this about boxers too. first person to get upset, they lose the fight. Mm. Once someone gets upset. They lose all visual prowess that they had before they lose all of their sight. That composure is gone. Their composure is gone. Their critical thinking is gone. Their sensibilities gone. So when I see someone get upset in conversation, I immediately change tactics. Mm-hmm. I immediately, I'm no longer talking to that person. And I'm uh, completely aware of that, which uh-huh. is why I don't, which is why I further don't get upset too. Right. Because I'm not dealing with you anymore. I'm dealing with, the, the the monster version of you. Uh. I'm dealing with, it was actually a part in this book I was just reading that said, it's interesting that a little speck of dust, just as small as it is, if placed right in front of the eye, will blot out the rest of the world. Mm. Will blot out the rest of the glory of the world mm. if it's close enough to you. And mm. that there's no such speck as frequent in our lives blocking our way than ourselves and our egos. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought that was just the most profound thing. Because that's what it seems to be when as soon as people get angry in a conversation, I I stopped taking them seriously on on the on the degree of having a real conversation. I'm not thinking about that anymore. I'm like, okay, well, we have to de-escalate the situation before we can actually go any further in the real discussion that we were having before. This person that I was having a conversation with is no longer here. So until I get them back, this conversation is on pause. Mm -hmm. So that emotional regulation is so key to moving and navigating throughout our daily lives. And when I see people just snap out, it's it can be very scary because you don't know once they have lost themselves, you don't know where they're going to go because they're not necessarily cautious. They're not knowing of what it is they're doing and who they are. They're not balancing the scales of pros and cons Mm -hmm. in an efficient manner anyway, in in an effective manner anymore. Mm -hmm. Like that, all of that sensibility is gone. And that's a scary thing when you're dealing with a human being that is not thinking at all. Mm -hmm. It could go, it could go anyway. Yeah. So, Man, I just try. I try my best. I mean, for so many reasons. One, I've just been a nicer person these days. But just when I'm out, I just I let people do them. I don't want no problems. Right. With none of y'all. Right. Leave me alone. <laughs> I don't want any problems. I don't. I swear. You just you just have no idea what people are willing to do. No. Once they've lost Once themselves. they've lost it, you don't know what their capabilities are. <clears throat> yeah, it, 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 it's, it, it's scary, but uh, they, they, we just keep seeing these stories pop up every day. I've I've been actually, ever since I've been, like I, when I told you guys about the Aiden Leo situation, and then I was telling you about how I had that kind of that run-in with that guy a couple of weeks ago, I've been watching mad YouTube videos like on Road Rage. Oh, wow. Like just watching it happen, watching people lose their minds. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I'm just sitting here thinking like, like, what, like, re- like, relax, like handle this amicably. You know what I'm saying? That's what I I know. I know. Like I've been watching these videos of like these people getting convicted of killing people in a, a fit of road rage. Mm-hmm. They getting 25 years because they couldn't just pull the fuck over and just talk about insurance and you know nah, what I'm saying? Nah, nah. It's, it's, it's intoxicating. Yeah. Anger is, it's intoxicating. Mm-hmm. It takes you over. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's who you are when you are in a fit of rage and who you are normally, those are two completely different is it, people. Is it interesting that I don't know that part of me? Hmm. The Keon in a fit of rage. I, I'm not familiar with that person. I, You know what? I would also say that that's a scary thing. You think so? I think you should get in touch with that person. Because, like, because never... if for any reason that happens, that uh-huh. part of you is brought out and you're unfamiliar, you have no idea what's going on. You you haven't tamed that like beast how, necessarily. How would I do that? I've actually been talking to someone about this. I think that Best way I know how to kind of do it is one with no one around. <laughs> that would be the best. <laughs> is if we can use the word meditation here, or we can just say if you sit down somewhere by yourself, <laughs> maybe this will reach more people. If you just <laughs> sit down somewhere by yourself and close your eyes mm-hmm. and think about 
something that angers you uh-huh. deeply. Uh-huh. Let that anger come up, feel it, process it, know what it feels like. Okay. Know why it came there, which uh-huh. you should, because you're thinking about the thing that made you angry mm-hmm. and then let it go. Mm-hmm. And okay. you keep doing that over and over and over. You get a better understanding of what that feels like and how you can let it go. I've definitely, I think I've definitely done that before, mm. but not, I've never taken it to the capacity where I'm just like, I'm doing it for this reason. Right. Yeah. 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 You yeah, know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause I've dwelled on things that make me angry. I've allowed, I've allowed that anger and frustration to build. And I know what that feels like. Mm. I guess I just don't know what it is like when I take that energy and lash out on someone else with it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's never you just don't want to be that yeah person. like I don't know I don't I'm I'm unfamiliar with that with that person well well I mean again I say that that's scary because you yeah. should get in touch yeah. with that person you should learn how to how to take that yeah. and integrate it to make you a better okay. you but not you necessarily be- let it out on someone else. Nah, right. nah, right. nah, don't do that. <laughs> you don't need to be that. This, this, yeah. this is exactly the, the opposite of what we're trying yeah. to do here. Yeah, yeah. no, don't don't Got be you. that person. Gotcha. Uh, speaking of lashing out, that's something that I'm, I'm so glad that I, I I haven't done in my life. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say my life. Yes, I fucking have. But, and I used to be good at it too. I used to, I couldn't wait to snap on somebody. <laughs> But who I am now, I'm, I'm glad that it's not something that I practice today. Uh-huh. Or else so many conversations would go so differently. A lot of them I've been having recently. Some of them have been with you. Some of them have been with my family. Mm-hmm. And just had a conversation with them recently where, you know, they just still treat me like an idiot. They talk to me crazy. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I, I didn't I didn't know if I was really going to talk about this on this pod, but now I've kind of been inspired to. Because in that last journal entry I wrote, I talked about me distancing myself from certain people and how that was just going to be inevitable in my growth. Mm-hmm. And I read in this, I read a little excerpt from this book I'm reading, and it said something about this this guy who's who's a doctor, he's trying to change the town that he's in from old archaic ways of dealing with sickness and health into the newer ways of things. Like they just got the stethoscope in this book and things like that. Like that was just developed. When does this take place? Um, so what are we talking about? The 1800s. Okay. Okay. And he says, well, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to help people. I'm just going to do what I can for myself and I'm going to help people with that because trying to bicker with ignorance and that is not necessarily stupidity as just someone that just does not know, right, is like trying to whip the fog. (laughs) Whip the fog. I thought that that was a hilarious. Yeah. Trying to whip the fog. You go outside with a whip and try to whip some fog. That's funny as hell. It ain't going (laughs) to happen. It's not going to happen. And I've thought about how how to explain this. A lot of this thought was inspired 
because we talked about it on the last pod, we've talked about it in just conversation between you and I a lot of times of this thing of you wanting me to go and travel. And I wanted to bring that back up for, for a second. All right. I've thought this very, very, I've thought this through and I've thought it's been very interesting to me for quite some time because you said, like, you got to get out. You got to see things beyond Manazza. You just got to travel. I just like to see people traveling and seeing new things. And I never knew exactly what you were talking about. What is it that's out there that you feel like I need to see? And one time you asked me, don't you feel like you're missing out? And in my mind, I thought that that FOMO that people have, this phenomenon people have been talking about for the last few years. I've always thought that to be the most interesting thing because you're fearful of something that is inevitable. Mm. You, you you can't be a conscious human being and not be missing out. I don't care where you are. I don't care how much you're traveling. I don't care how much money you have. You're missing out. Yeah. You're missing out on every experience that you're not a part of. That's true. Which is infinitesimal amount of experiences that you're not taking a part of. Right. So, of course, you're missing out. Now, furthermore than that, this going out and seeing things, it doesn't necessarily hold the weight or have the value if, again, you're not actively, intentionally taking parts in the things that hold the value on the trip. Mm -hmm. So another way to put that is, because I've thought a lot about this. If you think about like an old witch's book or something or a wizard's book where you, you open it up, we've probably all seen this in movies. You open it up and all the, all the pages are blank. Mm Hmm. You're like, oh, damn, it's just a, like a blank. This looks like a very wise book while the page is blank on it. <laughs> but then there has to be some blood dropped on it, you know, from <laughs> from a fucking warlock uh-huh. or an incantation that then shows you all the text on all the pages, right? right. And then you can go ahead and do something with it. I'm going to explain this in multiple ways. That is how I feel about the way that I look at every experience I'm a part of. Mm -hmm. Is that sometimes when I'm hanging out with people, I'm standing next to them, they are looking at blank pages. Mm -hmm. Because to them, there's no value in the moment we're having mm-hmm. because you're thinking, well, we're just here. Maybe if we go take a trip, it'll be different. You get to see things, you get to experience things. But for me, every moment I'm seeing what is there to be read, mm-hmm. what is to be had. So what people feel like it may take a trip to go get or some grand gesture of an experience I I can just see that in my room. I don't have to go anywhere. There, there's there's so many things that I think what about. Do you mean like on Google? N- 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 it could be, and, and I'm so glad that you're asking these questions because I've talked about it before and I think that it is definitely gone over people's heads. 
there was a book I was reading where I felt like I was I was doing this. Well, I mean, again, I always think I'm doing this, whether I'm, I'm watching Naruto and in Naruto, like my life is mapping onto the show. So it looks like I'm watching cartoons. But to me, I'm watching a very intricate story that is speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And that means something to me. So it, it, it could be looked at as though you're wasting time watching cartoons. But to me, I'm having a grand experience because I'm reading things through the cartoon that other people may not see. Again, to them, it is blank pages within that wizard's book. Mm -hmm. But to me, I see the text on it. Mm -hmm. Right. Another way I'll put it before I continue. I talked to you about the book and the movie Giver. You've had to at least watch or read that because I know it was a text in school we had to read. Mm -hmm. Did you watch the movie too? I didn't. It doesn't matter because I think the book is better. Okay. And in the book, they're able to get across to you something that they can't do if you're watching a movie. Okay. In the book, there's a point in time where the boy who's getting the powers from the giver, the old wise sage, he goes to him one day and he says, things are starting to change. Like, I, like I'm, I'm gaining some of these memories from you from the past because, you know, the giver is the only one that has like the memories yeah. of the past of the world. He's like, you know, you're giving me some of these these memories and things are starting to change. I realized I woke up this morning and I walked outside and I saw two boys throwing a ball back and forth between each other. And there was something different about the ball. I can't really describe to you what it is, but something was very, very different about Mm -hmm. it. Never seen this before. Mm -hmm. And then the giver, he's just looking at him and he's listening to him and he says, so, son, that's the color red. And until that moment, yeah. you didn't know that the entire book was being taken place in a monochromatic world. Mm-hmm. And that was probably like halfway through the book or something like that. You, your mind's blown. You're like, oh, shit, this whole world is taking place in black and white. white right. And he just saw a color for the very first time. Mm-hmm. And now he's trying to go to the giver and be like, there was something different about this ball they were throwing around. I can't tell you what it is, but boy, was there something different. Imagine trying to tell somebody if we living in a black and white world that you just saw the color red on a ball. It's, it's a mind fuck. You well, yeah. I mean, for you, for sure. <laughs> but the you don't have the words like without the word color, mm-hmm. without the, the the concept of color, without the words of red, blue, green, the, these ideas, mm-hmm. you don't even know where to start. How do you describe to someone that you just saw the color red if you don't even know what color is right. and, and no one knows what color is? Right. How do you even go about that? So, so what I'm saying to you, when I was reading this book, The Art of Public Speech by Dale Carnegie, I talked about it before. I said, there there comes people every now and again that have a certain visual prowess that can see things in things that others just can't. And they see books in running brooks and sermons and stones when usually you would see stones in running brooks in sermons and books. Okay. Right. 
That did you, did you, is that a saying? That is a saying okay. that they came from there. Okay. But then, yes, but 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 in that, if you have no idea, you could very well watch that. I mean, read that, and it just be some lofty words, and you're like, "Oh, that sounds nice." What the fuck does that mean? That sounds that's too poetic for my liking. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. And if you don't necessarily have the prowess or the understanding to grasp it, you just won't understand it. So. You would expect to see stones in running brooks on, on the lake somewhere. That makes sense to you. It would make sense for you to see sermons in books. That's where you usually find them. But for certain people, they can see sermons in stones. Mm-hmm. They can see books in running brooks. That's the point I'm trying to tell you is that for certain people, it's and I don't even know if I'm doing it justice right now. If I if I can even put it into words, because we may not even have the, the articulation for it. Right. But what I'm trying to say to you is that in everyday life, I'm I'm looking at things and I'm gaining information and insight and inspiration from things that to most people look ordinary Mm -hmm. is, is the point that I'm trying to say. So when you say you have to go out and travel, I I'm trying to tell you that I think I could possibly get more out of sitting in my room with my eyes closed and someone go take a week long trip somewhere. Okay. That's, that's kind of the point that I'm trying to say. And not to say that traveling is bad or that I don't enjoy it or that I can't get stuff somewhere else too. Mm-hmm. I can. But when you say on, you feel like you're missing out on things. Think about who you know me to be mm-hmm. and think about people that, you know, have taken 50 trips. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like whatever wisdom and knowledge that in experience that they've gained from those trips have mapped on to the wisdom that they practice on a daily life? No. Like, that- like me sitting in my room has. I think that though those experiences may last forever in a sense maybe in their mind it doesn't hold on how am I trying to say this um one I think if you're not doing it the right way those experiences are just temporary superficial or superficial um but I do I get what you're saying temporary and superficial that's why I I get get what you're saying, because a lot of people don't do enough of living in the moment and appreciating what's right in front of them. So I I completely understand that. Um, But I don't know. I think when I say that, you know, maybe you're you're missing out on a certain something. um, There's so many wonders about this big ass rock that we live on. Very true. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. There's so many wonders, so many things out there. Agreed. And I think that going there versus not going there definitely takes away a bit. You know, you can do all your research. All You can do all the shit you want, you know, researching, looking, you know, seeing what's there, um, you know, enjoying yourself in your room, just being there. And that might be a that might be more of a you thing, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. not everybody's gonna agree with that. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But there's something about being there in that experience that just generally excites me. Yes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I understand. Like that. people, like there's so much 
culture and landscape and different variety, different vibes, different atmospheres, just different everything out there in the world that I just want to take a part of, even mm-hmm. though I know it's going to be temporary. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like right. there's so much out there mm-hmm. that I want to grasp, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, I, I, I completely, I understand what it is you're saying. Yeah. And, and, and I agree that traveling can be a very wondrous, very educational experience for a lot of people. And I encourage people to go out there and learn about other people and other cultures and just and try to see things in different ways. Yeah, I, I, I completely I listen. I don't I don't detest that idea at all. But I I, I get I get what you mean, because a lot of not a, not a lot of people are grounded enough in their own environments, in their own settings, and they don't appreciate a lot of what they can get out of that. You know, people yes. feel like they have to go escape. They have to get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um. So I get it. I get what you're saying. All right. I get what you're saying. All right. I just thought I'd bring I'd bring that up real quick, just just to let you know. I you know it's interesting. I find being who I am a very very peculiar experience. I truly truly does do. it ever get hard? Noah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't said that in a long time. <laughs> that shit was very- I just love, I just, listen, hold on a second. Let's stop here for a second. I just love that, that we just had all of this talk, all this mature talk. But that was a serious question. No, I know, no, I know, I know. <laughs> I just loved that it. it was just it was just diminished to a whoa moment. Like I, now, whoa, it's it just was, so funny. That's very It was funny. a serious question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's not I wasn't trying to take away from what yes, you said. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it, it it used to get hard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much anymore. <laughs> right. No, it, it, no, it, it, it used to be, but with 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 every with every passing day, I've I've gotten a little bit more settled into. Mm-hmm. And what what really shows me this? It's it's very, again. It's it's very peculiar because when I think about. The things that I think about, mm-hmm. and then I, I talk to people about them. I just I never hear it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I never hear anyone talk about the things that I think about, mm-hmm. and so, so yeah, it, it, it yeah. It, first, first, what hits you is just extreme loneliness. Mm-hmm. And then you're and then you're sad for a long time. And then you want to retreat into unconsciousness. So you try to do as many drugs and drink as much alcohol as you can Mm -hmm. so that you can just get back to whatever was going on before you started having thoughts. Mm Right back, back when you were just before you started having thoughts, back when you were just going through life passively and Mm -hmm. just just saying words, whatever, whatever happened in the moment. That's just what you were doing. You didn't care about anything else. 
And and but then what happens is somewhere deep down, as much as you drink and do drugs, there's still that voice that tells you, Yeah, but like you know that you're not happy doing this. Like this isn't this isn't what you're supposed to be you doing. You hope that voice is reason. You hope, yeah, you hope. This telling you this isn't you're you're doing this to try to numb yourself. Right. Because you don't want to deal with the pain of having to because either way you're losing out. But you don't want to have to deal with the pain of being who you truly are and having people deal with that. So then then you get past that point and then you just and then you realize that the best the best you can do. I, I've been fortunate enough to come across this platform so that I I can come here and speak freely. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, I've a couple of people in my life. But for the most part, that's not what I I, I can't I can't do it. And I, I've realized that I can't have those sorts of conversations. And it's mm-hmm. and it's okay because people are just people are just not there with me really. So I I've I've had like my little sister asking me a question about, oh, you know, why are you interested in this? What made you want to do this? And I I started talking as I do. She was like, Earl, like you just, you know, like every time you answer a question, like it's never and I've had mad people tell me this, like, Earl, you know, you never answer like yes or no. <laughs> you never give a yes or no like you never have a one sentence answer you never just it's always got to be this long journey that we go on it's all this middle ground and all this stuff mm-hmm. like can you just give me and then so i'll just give them a one-line answer and it's if you know anything about me if you've been listening to this podcast enough it it it's a sad answer mm-hmm. in in comparison to what i truly feel about whatever the subject is mm-hmm. So I'll, instead, I just say something like, oh, yeah, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a beautiful time. There was food and drinks and we danced. Those are what my answers get diminished to mm-hmm. when having conversations with other people. And if you understand me at all, you understand just how constrained I may feel in those moments. And so that is why it's inevitable that I distance myself from those people mm-hmm. because I, I don't feel feel free there. You can imagine anyone not wanting to be around people they can't be themselves around. Right. Anyone wanting to come out of the closet. Right. But not being able to to feel comfortable around those people. So you don't want to be there. Well being as and 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 just so I can finish, mm-hmm. it's not their fault. Uh, yeah. Cause I was that was it's, about to be it's not their fault. That's I'm not upset. I that, I said that in the thing too. Love remains for all these people. Right. <clears throat> I I don't have insights into all of the vast variables that made them who they are and gave them the brain that they have mm-hmm. that makes them to respond to things that you know in the in the way that they respond to them or make them curious about things. That they're curious about because it's very interesting that the things that I'm curious about, people are not curious about. Mm-hmm. And I think we probably all find ourselves that way. Like, how can you not be interested in mm-hmm. this thing? Mm-hmm. So 
I, I completely understand that. And again, as I surprise myself with some of the things that come through my mind, mm-hmm. I just I could never expect for anyone to to just be ready for that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not their fault, but it's a responsibility that we all have to bear. It's none of our faults, mm-hmm. but it's a responsibility that we all have to bear. So what to try? What exactly is the responsibility you're? you're... Well, again, I've been fortunate enough to have this platform. I can speak freely, uh-huh. and we have return listeners, uh-huh. people that come here, and they clearly come here for something. We uh-huh. all episode was a sixty four now. People keep coming back for something, so it's speaking to people in different ways. Sometimes you wish it would touch people that you loved and cared for more, and they could grow from it. But that's just not how it works. Right. So I come here and I do my thing and then I leave and then I give people the watered down answers that they want to hear from me. Mm. I have friends that call me or call me telling me a conversation they just had with their mom and their, their moms like these people. They're having a hard time within their families too. listening to me and having a relationship with me. They're getting. They're, they are becoming spoiled by active listening and attention and conversation. Mm-hmm. So when they're on the phone with their mom and their mom's like, hey, so how was that thing the other day that you told me you were going to go to? Like, Oh, mom, I'm so glad you asked me. Well, you know, there was a little bit of this going on. A little bit. Oh, well, anyway, so tell me about this other thing. And they're like, well, that's rude. and they're like, mom, like I was, just, I was still telling you. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, go, yeah, go ahead and finish that. Mm hmm. It's not her mom's fault per se that she is exactly who she is mm-hmm. and that she doesn't see what she's doing. Mm-hmm. She doesn't see she's being rude. She doesn't see she's being inattentive. She doesn't see that she's not truly activated. Most mm-hmm. humans aren't really activated. Mm-hmm. They're not really there. So the responsibility that we have to shoulder is, even though it's not our fault, we don't have culpability, is when people naturally distance themselves or it's not even really just them distancing themselves. It's really just nature distancing you two from each other Mm -hmm. because you're not meant to be sharing the same physical space like that anymore. Mm -hmm. You're just two cut from two different cloths. Now it's just what it is. That idea is something that just has to be, shouldered it's just something that has to be accepted so that is your responsibility to undo to understand that that is what comes with being different people and that that is where nature takes you in different paths okay and and that is okay i was gonna ask like you know you probably don't have the patience for a lot of people these days but as far as the people you love your family members maybe even your friends do you feel like you give them uh, more time or opportunity to maybe, you know, I don't want to say get with the program, but uh, to you know, I mean, to it would, it would be, yeah, from. it would be oh, my okay. current program, getting okay. with my current program. Okay. Well, it's very interesting because when I go and hang out with people that I've known my entire life, because a lot of time is spent with, with, with me and new friends. Mm-hmm. And I've 
been spoiled now by surrounding myself with people that do care about what it is I'm saying and what my life is like right now. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like hopping back in a portal that takes you to a place where you are reminded at every turn that this is who you used to be. Mm-hmm. Not care, just mad topics flying around, nothing sticking. No one cares about what other people are truly saying. No one's inquiring more about anyone's feelings about anything, mm-hmm. everything. Th- this superficiality to me these days are so deadening. Mm-hmm. They're just so unappealing to me. It's so it's so difficult for me to to go out of my way willingly to place myself in a superficial environment. I don't okay. want now 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 there is that's undue suffering. It's just something it's unnecessary. I don't need to be a part of it. I I have come to terms and this is going to come back up later on. This whole unattachment thing that I have with things and people it seems it seems very healthy to me mm-hmm. because there is a love that can be had from afar and that is okay with me. I don't have to be holding your hand to love you or to be there for you if you need me. Okay. That is still there. Okay. I just don't have to be there. And I think that that's something that that's a part of the program that people have to okay. come to terms with for sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah, I mean, look, I it's, it's <laughs> like I said, I come just, back here every week, and you like, man, what's this nigga gonna talk about this week? What is he? He talk this motherfucker talking about looking up hieroglyphics in 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 the, in the TV show. This man talking about no, magic scrolls and seeing the codes in them. The thing is, is Earl is we talk about this probably at least every other week in different forms. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So as we've begun to talk about it more, I feel like I've begun to understand what you're saying mm-hmm. more and more yeah. every time we talk about it. Right. So it's, okay. it's, yeah, it's, it's a better se- thing. It's settling in. It is. It's settling yeah. in. It's something people, you got to marinate in. You know, I don't know if this is any, it, it doesn't necessarily change my thought processes about me or who I am or what I want to do with my life or anything like that. Yeah. But it definitely... I understand more where you're coming from every time we have these conversations. Okay, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, and it, it it also it also helps to stave away any type of resentment for mm-hmm. me feeling like I don't understand. Yeah, you know I'm saying. Yeah, it it helps me to obviously understand more, but it helps to get away this feeling like I don't understand it. So I'm going to take it as disrespect. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and that is very often the response from a lot of people, just not with me, but in general, if people don't understand something, mm-hmm. they get very hostile mm-hmm. very quickly because mm-hmm. like I told you before, it's the playing a video game that you can't beat or trying to figure out a puzzle and just throwing it up against the wall. Mm-hmm. You're frustrated with yourself and therefore you take it out mm-hmm. on whatever the subject is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad, I'm glad that's, I'm glad that's the case, but that's, 
That's yeah, that's sort of where I'm at right now. Okay. It's very, it's very, very peculiar. This this past is it'll be two months of sobriety, just complete sobriety for me in a couple of days. And it has seemed like more months yeah. than two. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I thought it was I think it's so crazy. I talked to you before. You watched Dragon Ball Z growing up. Yeah. I don't know if you if you remember this, but this is the the perfect analogy for me. When some alien would come down and was going to destroy all of Earth, yeah, everyone and their mom would go out there and try to fight them, <laughs> and they'd be like, "Goku, we need you to go to the hyperbolic time chamber mm-hmm. and train, mm-hmm. and then come out and fight this dude with the rest of us." Uh-huh. For anyone that does not know, Goku, Goku was the main character. Goku stayed in that hyperbolic time. Goku was <laughs> the dude. Strongest dude. The hyperbolic time chamber is a place that people would go. And if you can tell by the name of it, time was much longer in there than it was in real life. So you could go into the hyperbolic time chamber and train for maybe a year. Mm-hmm. But outside, it's like 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like, you go in there and train for a year, which is really 24 hours, come out tomorrow and come fight them with the rest of us. <laughs> that idea of the hyperbolic time chamber. Now, again, this is this is the way that I see things. So I'm looking with just talking about a cartoon here and I'm talking to you about how it maps onto my life right now. So the hyperbolic time chamber to me in my life is one sobriety. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I need. That's one component. If we're talking about like turning all the screws and nut bolts and cogs and wheels and and we're creating our own hyperbolic time chamber. One of the many things that I need to make it full is sobriety Mm -hmm. and attentiveness is one meditation, yoga, reading, just things that I, I just have to focus my mind on. These are all things that I need. I have created, it seems like in a, um i in a in a conceptualized manner i have created for myself my own very unique novelty catered to me only i do not know how other people work mm-hmm. hyperbolic time chamber mm-hmm. so when i tell you it seems like it has been more than 2 months what i'm saying to you is it seems like i'm in a space where I'm gaining so much more in a very small amount of time mm-hmm. than I was before. It seems like in a day's time, I can do what would have been a month's work of time in the past for me mm-hmm. because I wasn't really present I wasn't really taking That's the things. Word I was looking for. I wasn't That's present. Was I wasn't taking a lot of things into account that were sitting right there in front of me. Mm-hmm. I just I I couldn't see it before. But now it feels like with all these things I've put together, I've been able to build a machine, if you will, figuratively speaking clearly, that allows me to learn a great deal and progress a great deal in a very, very small amount of time. And so I do my best to keep myself in this figurative hyperbolic time chamber. And 
that is another reason as to why I do not, I do not, uh, I guess you could say, refute other people's belief or, or disbelief, I should say. I don't reprimand anyone. I don't condemn anyone for not being able to see who I've become in a small amount of time because it truly doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I am in awe of who I am versus who I was six months ago, a year ago, two years ago. I think it's crazy. Yeah. I don't even understand this, to be honest with you. It's absolutely striking to me. I didn't know that what I'm doing right now was a possible option on the planet Earth. I did not know it. Okay. So that's why I say it's a very peculiar experience inside my being. For me, from my subjective experience, it's very peculiar. I, I don't quite know exactly what to make of it yet, but I'm, I'm trying to, I'm figuring it all out. But it's very, very, very interesting. And it's happening very rapidly, very, very rapidly. So that's my hyperbolic time chamber okay. cor- correlation there. Let's move on to something else, though. We're at an hour 20 or so. This is something that's interesting. This is a bit lighter. We just I just had to get into this. You already know about this. Let's get into it. All right. Artist sells invisible sculpture for over 18,000. We got to talk about this. Look, because I you already <laughs> know how I feel. Like I go to the art, I go to these art museums and I just see like a rag pinned up on the wall inside of a frame. And I just be like, what? I don't understand this. What is going on? Why is this so phenomenal? Now you got niggas out here selling invisible in thin air for $18,000. All right. <laughs> make for it anyone make that does not know. Make it make sense. In a, I, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. <laughs> an, an Italian artist sold an invisible sculpture for over 18000 and had to give the buyer a certificate of authenticity to prove it's real, the Daily Mail reported. I want to walk into the home <laughs> of the buyer and I want them to show me the, like I want, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you take? So all you got, a, all you got was a certificate. Well, well, that's, that's what okay, happened. well, all right. So I'll, I'll tell you this part. Um, well, no. The air and spirit sculpture—that's what it's called, air and spirit—is <laughs> you're damn right, it's an air and spirit—is <laughs> intended to be contained in a five by five foot square. And is intended to be displayed in a private space without artificial lighting and climate control. So there, there. So I know you've seen the so photo. There so there's, something. there's tape. Yeah, there's five, five. Oh, by so f- this isn't even a cube. It's just a square on the ground. Yes. Yeah. Well, I thought. I've yeah. There's like, no. You're thinking like a like a rectangular prism. Something. In the yeah, no, just a square material to take. So does the the does. This magnetic field inside the square, does it follow the square as it moves? Like, I don't... I I, I think maybe maybe it's sitting on a plate of glass or something like that, and they just picked the plate of glass up that has the, the five-by-five-foot square on it, and they take it into the person's house and set it down. Where would you like, where would you like the sculpture? And they just set it down somewhere. My question, because there, there's a little bit more here, 
Well, all right, let me read a little bit more before I ask my question. First of all, Italian auction house Artright organized the sale of the immaterial statue in May with a beginning estimated value coming in between seven and 11,000. So, so that was the starting point. Somebody bid it higher on this. In- <laughs> <laughs> I want to understand how that person minds, that, that person's so, so, mind works. So, right. So that's a huge part of why I brought this up is it this to some, I mean, this is appreciated in the artist world, in the in the realm of artistry to some degree. And whew. it's the easiest 18,000 he ever made. Wrong. No? This is not his first. <laughs> uh, this isn't the first piece of, I'm probably going to butcher this, Garros that is unrecognizable to the human eye. <laughs> so that's no. what it is. It's unrecognizable to your eyes. See, you ain't even, you're not there yet. See, does it come with see a, that's why I walked you through this last it, conversation, because you ain't even there yet. You can't even see it. Does it come with a set of glasses that allow you to see it? <laughs> in February, the artist exhibited Buddha in Contemplation, another invisible sculpture at the Piazza della Scala in Milan. In just this week, Garu installed his most recent statue, Aphrodite Piange. Facing the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, so he been selling. He 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 been. He looked. He looked like he could pull it off. <laughs> Yo, he looked like. He All right, pull so it off. so now let me read you some of the the ideas behind this. The vacuum is nothing more than a space full of energy, and even if we empty it. And there is nothing left. According to the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, and don't worry, I looked that up too. <laughs> that nothing has a weight. Therefore, it has energy that is condensed and transformed into particles. So he said he sold you some molecules? Exactly. But there's weight inside the vacuum. It is a work that asks you to activate the power of the imagination. No. No. Hold on, hold on. I can do that for free at my house, at just in the corner, an empty corner of the you, room. You, you could, but, but are you sitting at home is your home asking you to activate that? Are you doing it at home? Because if you're not doing it at home, then you might need this piece to activate it for you. When was the last time you sat at your home and just and activated your imagination and just thought about something being in the corner of the room? Never. never. Exactly. Exactly, Keon. Never. Hold on. Here we go. <laughs> activate the power of the imagination, a power that anyone has even those who don't believe they have it. Ooh, see? So now he's awakening the powers within you that you didn't even know that you had. So this is a woke piece. Ooh, he's awakening <laughs> you. Man. How you like that a little bit? Not eight, not enough for 18,000. Yeah, no, this is absolutely ridiculous. But, I, <laughs> but so I have... <laughs> Art as we know 
appreciates with time. Can he, he can, this person can resell this piece. How does that, piece? The, the, the five, listen, if he could buy it for 18,000, <laughs> he can sell it later on for something else. Yeah. Whoever this buyer was. Yeah. But there's, I, like, so there's no art restoration that has to take place, clearly. I mean, it's invisible. So I, I want to know how this appreciates through time. How, how does invisible art appreciate through time? I, you, you don't got nothing for I this. I don't you. know. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me at all. So we're definitely not talking about the appreciation of it. I don't understand it. <laughs> Like, I can even understand maybe there's something behind the white rag on the wall. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> something, because it's material. There's but something. You, oh, so that's what it is. So you just need the material. If it ain't material, you don't get it. All right, here we go. All right, because I know somebody is thinking, because he said uh, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Yeah. Right? So here, so here is that. So, Uncertainty principle, also called Heisenberg uncertainty principle or indeterminacy principle, articulated 1927 by the German physicist Werner Heisenberg, that the position and the velocity of an object cannot both be measured exactly at the same time, even in theory. There's a whole lot that goes into the very concepts of exact position and exact velocity together, in fact, have no meaning in nature. Ordinary experience provides no clue of this principle. It is easy to measure both the position and the velocity of, say, an automobile, because the uncertainties implied by this principle for ordinary objects are too small to be observed. The complete rule stipulates that the product of their uncertainties in position and velocity is equal to or greater than a tiny physical quantity. So only for the exceedingly small masses of atoms and some atomic particles does the product of the uncertainties become significant. So what it is you were saying was he's selling you particles. Was just because you can't see what is there doesn't mean that that space in and of itself does not have weight to it. Doesn't mean that there isn't something there. It's just not large enough for you to see it. So <laughs> it's just a bunch of nothing to me. Like I, I guess I'm not using my imagination enough. I mean, this is not my my forte. Like I, maybe I don't. I just don't understand. I, I, I just don't under. I this don't is, hey man, this is funny. <laughs> I don't. Eighteen thousand. When I when I think who said? Did you send this first or Mikey? Mikey? When Mike sent this to me, I I was so quick to to copy this link and send it to my family chat. Because you know my dad, he's in the art yeah. game. He loves to buy stuff. Yeah. What did he say? About I sent it to him and I was like, Dad, you should have bought this before the price rise up. <laughs> He didn't say a word. <laughs> he didn't say a word back. Julian was like, why are we working so hard to survive? <laughs> and Alexis was like, no, really, though. Like, why 
why are we all working to survive? Like, why are we doing? Like, why we're we're thinking way too hard about surviving on this planet? Sell particles. Could just sell some particles. (laughs) I don't know why. You know. Oh man. So that's what's going on in in the art world right now. Jeez Um, Louise, that is hilarious. So. This is going to be, I think what I'm about to talk about real quick here is going to be. That is funny. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. Um, and I'm interested to hear what you say about it. Let's when I it. was out of town with, uh, with my family, a sh- we, uh, me and my son and my fiance, we were watching uh, Gumball. Great show. Oh, yeah. Gumball Adventures, yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's. Yes. Yeah. Hilarious. Hilarious cartoon. Saw this commercial for this show called Craig of the Creek. Mm, I've never watched it before, but it's about a black family, completely black family, um, you know, like living, I think, in the suburbs. Um, I don't know much about the show, but I know that the family is it's just a black. It's a black family. Okay. (laughs) And so my son says, that's my cartoon twin. And I look at him and I'm just like, I was like, really? He was like, yeah, he looks like me. And it just smacked me in the face because we're always talking about representation and, you know, how it can make people feel when they're not seeing anything that's relevant or relative to them Um, and how that can make people feel, how it molds people, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how they grow up, how they, you know what I'm saying, without the representation. And I'm like, Corey, like that's dope. Like you see a bit of yourself in this character, you know, mm-hmm. because obviously this there are probably a lot more shows and whatnot, films and everything that are more around. There's a lot of more. There's a lot more white families on television than there are completely black families. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I took that even deeper and I thought about it and I tried to map it and put it in into a real world perspective, like off of the television. We all know somebody like this. And I'm and I'm going to start it out with this, but it can pertain to any race. The black guy that only has white friends. Okay, I'm not. This isn't a. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like I, I, I want people to live their lives <laughs> whichever way they want to. You know what I'm saying? That's fine. But I've always thought that, like, wow, I. That gotta be. Is it? Does it feel like a different universe for that for that person? Or do are they are they simply comfortable being or like? Let's say you're a black guy and you just have nothing but white friends. You probably there's probably things about those white guys that, you know, you're you're comfortable with. There's p- different personality traits that you guys kind of have a mold on. You guys come together. You you know, you find you probably see some of yourself in these guys based on their personality, maybe the upbringing. But is it do you think it's interesting? Like, is it weird at all to just hang out with a bunch of people that don't look like you? Do you think that's odd? I am going to grab my poetry book. Okay. One second. I have to find where that is. And so, why you think that's weird? 
I it's interesting. Like just be I I don't know. I I guess because I've grown up around majority like black people. Well, no, let me not say that because I went to a very diverse, I want to say diverse high school, but at least in my adult age, I don't, I find like my main friend groups consist of black people. Um, And, you know, that's not to say that I don't like white people. I don't know why anybody would think that. Oh, man, this is going interestingly in here. Yeah. I don't want anybody to confuse that. I don't know what's going all. on in here. I don't want I don't want anybody to confuse that at all. Yeesh. But you know, like I have like certain people that I follow on like Instagram, things like that, that you know, they only hang around other people that aren't their same race. And it's and it's, it's and I just it doesn't I just, have anything I, to do with location. Not necessarily. No, not necessarily. Okay. Um, And I just, I guess I just don't really, I don't get it. Like, I wonder, like, what is that like? I don't quite understand it. Like, what is that like? Okay. You, you feel like, I mean, what, what, I mean, it, cause you feel like you're, and, you're getting something out of being around people that look like you. Simply because they look like you or because since they look like you, there's a good chance that maybe they've shared a lot of the same experiences. There's a little bit of that, but I just think it's, uh, I don't know, I guess, I guess what you get out of a person is obviously more than skin deep. Okay. But I've just never been put in the position where like, like, let's say, hmm. You raise like maybe you're raising a family in a location that's primarily another race. Like, okay, you know what I'm saying? That's like, how does I wonder how does that shape a person just never being around other people that, yes, look like them? You know what I'm saying? How does that shape the mind? How does that shape the person? Hmm. I'm I'm, going to, well. And and before you before you yeah, say anything, can, continue, continue. I would probably say it's a better situation to be in a more diverse community, just with just a melting pot of people. I think that would probably be the ideal community in my mind. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. Like, I just think it's so interesting to just never hang around people that are, you know, part of your culture or your race. Like, you only hang around. With a certain set of people. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So just any one. I mean, it doesn't have to be a black a black white thing. You know what yeah, I'm saying? It doesn't right. have to be that. I'm trying. But I wonder, find... like, even even some of the white guys that we know that only hang around black people, yeah. like, how it like well, how did you come to this? Like, how did you get here? You know what I'm saying? Mm. How like what is that like? Does it? Do you ever wonder like, oh, you know? What is it like hanging around with a bunch of white guys that are, you know, I'm, I'm a white person hanging around with a bunch of white guys or I'm a black person <laughs> hanging around. Like, do you ever wonder, like, what it's like on the other side? What is and I'm not saying that to, to say there's a division or anything like that. But I'm, I don't know. I've always been curious because I've never, you know, I've like my main friend group of guys are all black guys. I don't I don't know what it's like. <clears throat> I've always thought it was kind of interesting. I will start my answer okay. with a poem 
from my poem book that I read from every now and again. This was written by a woman named Rosa Zagnoni Marinoni. Mm-hmm. And it is t- entitled, Who Are My People? Mm-hmm. My people, who are they? I went into the church where the congregation worshipped my God. Were they my people? I felt no kinship to them as they knelt there. My people, where are they? I went into the land where I was born, where men spoke my language. I was a stranger there. My people, my soul cried. Who are my people? Last night in the rain, I met an old man who spoke a language I do not speak, which marked him as one who does not know my God. With apologetic smile, he offered me the shelter of his patched umbrella. I met his eyes, and then I knew. I say that to say that I believe that we are such complex, such complex beings. Mm -hmm. And in this world, you take what you can get where you can get it. And we're not always going to, to fit the molds or be attracted to the things that superficially we ought to be attracted to Mm -hmm. because there are things that are deeper to us that call out to us. And if, you're hanging around a bunch of people that look like you, but you don't feel home there. Yeah. You don't feel comfortable there and they look like you. What do you do? Do you, do you stay there because these are your people and they understand your people's plight Mm -hmm. on the, on the planet? Or do you venture out and find some people that don't, that don't look like you don't talk like you don't dress like you. Mm -hmm. And possibly find home in other people. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I get that. Like I said, I, I mean, growing up, I had all different sorts of friends as, yeah. I, as I do now. And the the qualities that I find in the people I'm attracted to, they are, they are very deep qualities. Mm-hmm. They're very deep characteristics about humans. And... And I find that in so many different types of people. Mm-hmm. So you're just hanging around someone. You, I mean, from when you're a child and they don't look like you, they don't speak like you, you probably don't know anything else. Right, right. You just know that these people have possibly done you well and been there for you. And yeah. so that feels like your home. Right. And then you go off somewhere else and you think, oh, well, they they look like me, so this this could be cool, and then nothing about it seems familiar. Mm-hmm. Nothing about it seems good, nurturing, and you're like, oh wow, I thought that that was supposed to work out for me. I thought that that was supposed to be where yeah where I belonged, but I don't feel that there. So yeah, so that's 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 kind of the case for me. I felt like that growing up. I think a lot of people. I've I've heard this from. Quite a few people, but I, off the top of my head, I know a Tyler creator for sure 
but it is the feeling of, and I <clears throat> even hate this categorization because I hate the way people talk about this, but for a lack of better words, and I couldn't expound on this afterwards, too, too white for the black kids and too black for the white kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that idea of I'm not acting black enough, which I hate. This is so low resolution. I hate when people talk like this, mm-hmm. but I'm not acting as as what people deem my culture acts like mm-hmm. enough to be accepted into this this culture from black people, mm-hmm. these kids. But at the same time, my skin's black and I do come from a black family. So there are some some essence, some essences of black culture from me that repel me from the white kids Mm -hmm. that don't know anything about that. So now I'm just sort of an outcast in the middle somewhere. Yeah. So it's, it's all, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. When matrix, when I was coming, when I was coming here and I, and I know I wanted to bring this up on the way here, I was, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, well, you know, there's probably a lot of other qualities that they find in, in, you know, a group of people that aren't don't necessarily look like them. Cause obviously, you know, you shouldn't just hang around people because of the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's way more than skin deep, but it's just like, I just couldn't fathom. I couldn't really put myself in the shoes of, of someone like that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Cause it's just like, I'm just like, when I, when I see it, I'm just like, wow, you all you you only hang around like a certain set of people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like those are those are your people, but it's just like there's obviously a a difference in the way that you guys look. Right. And I'm just wondering like how does that, you know, where does like but I but you made a good point, you know. It has a lot to do with environment, you know, who you come up with. It, it, like, it, those it is are a lot of people. environment. Yeah, because those it, are your people. Yeah, because it is interesting if you're just choosing to only fuck with one type of person. Right. That that is very interesting to me too because at that point we're not talking about characteristics whether you're whether you're hanging out with someone that looks like you mm-hmm. or you're only hanging out with one other type of people that don't look like you. Uh-huh. It's still weird to me. Yeah. Because just where's the divert? Like, because because at this point, it's not about the characteristics. Uh You're clearly either stuck to the skin of people that look like you or the skin of one type of person that doesn't look like you. Right. Either way, that's weird for me. I don't understand why. That's where that's where I'm coming from. Now, unless wherever you grew up. It was like locationally, it was mostly that. So then just by sheer statistics, you're most likely going to be hanging out with these types of people. So, you know, that was something that my parents certainly didn't understand growing up, seeing Julian and I dating probably as many white girls as Mm -hmm. we did. Mm -hmm. Now, Certainly for me, there were definitely other. There were, there's always been a lot of different types of women yeah. in my life: Middle Eastern, uh, Asian, which is still that, but Far East Asian, Black, White, Hispanic. Like it's always been. But but again, I've always been drawn to people's personalities. Yeah. So that was never really a question. But asking someone. Taking someone from D.C. or wherever the fuck we were at before and bringing them to the suburbs of Manassas 
especially the way it was when we were young. Yeah. And then you're asking why some people are with white people or they're not with as many black girls as you would like them to be. Yeah. Nigga, you brought me here. <laughs> Look outside. What are you what are you talking about? Like yeah. statistically speaking, that's who I'm gonna find myself around. And and honestly, the so so there, there's not that many black people to choose from, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So of course, statistically, the the ones that I ought to be interested in, there's a very, very small amount of them. Mm-hmm. So then at that point, you're just asking me to just be with a black person. Mm-hmm. You're just asking me to just choose a black person that I don't feel a connection to right. because they're black. Right. Like, no, okay. that's that's not what it is. I'm coming across mad people. And because I'm coming across a, a very small amount of, of black women and at the ages that we were in adolescence, a lot of the black women that I knew, suffice to say, We'll run around beating the shit out of people and, and, and doing a bunch of stuff that I didn't really want to be a part of. Right. Right. And and I didn't really see attractive. Mm-hmm. Now, there were some other ones that I did. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about numbers here. Mm-hmm. So I can't bring home as many as you would like because there aren't that many here. So it is, it is, a, it is a numbers game at yeah. the end of the day. So. You have to take that into account when mm-hmm. people are hanging out with other different mm-hmm. types of people. Like, honestly, sometimes I there's been often times I thought, like, I wish I had more of a diverse friend group. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, because I think that would be there would that there would be a lot for me to collect from that. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I, you know, there's different experiences I would get from that. That's just not how the how the dice rolled for me. Right. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, I don't know. I've always thought it was interesting. Yeah, just peering from 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 the other side of mm-hmm. you know the perspective of someone that hangs out with majority black people versus someone that hangs out with like they are the one black person in their group of friends. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah like yeah. it's just I've always just thought like that's just super interesting. Like, what is that like? Right, for sure. Yeah, yeah that, no, that is interesting. Um, are you ready to head on yeah. to this meaningfulness card? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. You got everything out from that? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <clears throat> this is going to be funny. Okay. So, <laughs> meaningfulness card. What would you do if you were not... People are going to be mad at me being like, you all them black girls beating the shit out of people. All right. So, here we go. What would you do <laughs> if you were not afraid? Hold on a second. Fuck that. Let's go back for a second. Okay. Because this is interesting. You're talking about Ja'Cory watching this Black Kid on the TV, and that's his that's his his twin, his mm-hmm. cartoon twin. And then I just said what I just said about young Black people and adolescents in school and what I saw them being a part of. Mm-hmm. Who we are looking to matters. Mm-hmm. Models, role models matter. Mentors matter. So... When I was growing up, I don't mean I don't know exactly who people are looking up to now. I don't probably isn't much better. But when we were looking up, who are we trying to be like? Who are we trying to emulate at the age of 11, 12, 13? G-Unit. 
okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's what we were doing. Yeah. That's how we were treating women and how and what were women doing? Running around being the women from the rap videos mm-hmm. and whatever else that they were watching and, and they weren't. Obviously not all of them. No, uh, obviously (laughs) not. But there were a lot of people that were looking up to the wrong people. Yeah. And that that has an effect. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not a self-hate thing Mm -hmm. when you're a person that's looking at someone's characteristics. Mm -hmm. I dated black ass people, same people that you dated. Yes. That black ass one, you know who I'm talking about. Okay. It's, but when you're looking at people's qualities, their core qualities, and not to say I was any better, I was, I was trying to look for something that was better than me though. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to find that when those people are looking up to the same people that you looking up to. Mm -hmm. I get that. Yeah, it just it, it just it just wasn't it wasn't good. And I understand Jacoria looking at that character and being and I hope it's a cool character because there's a very good chance that he's gonna be looking at this character a whole lot and emulating this character a whole lot. So I really hope that this cartoon character that they put together It, it seems like a very, fun loving show. Sure, I hope so. <laughs> because I don't know who, if at all, you look up to people. If you if you go on YouTube or if you're following anyone that you may think is an intellectual or anyone that you derive meaning from in their words, I don't know who those people might be to you. I don't, I don't and have I don't, enough of those type of people. And I don't know what they look like, what mm-hmm. their skin color looks like. Mm-hmm. But it means something to be able to look past the skin absolutely and just get what you can from the people absolutely because i look up to a lot of people i read a lot of work from a lot of people and when you say aren't you you feel like you're missing out because you're not traveling you say that to me sometimes and i look back at you like if only you would read some of these books if only you would get into any of the things that i'm into and you think I'm missing out. They they take you places that the vacations can't. Yes. <laughs> and so. But but I know that a lot of people wouldn't watch him because they might be thinking, who's this old white dude? Like, Why do I want to listen to him talk? Mm. And that is a travesty. It's mm. so bad that because someone doesn't look like us, we're not willing to give them the chance. God. And I'm not and I'm not saying that this is you per, per se. It may be you in certain situations. But it's a really, really terrible thing that we allow that to block us from the knowledge that people that don't share our skin color and our hair texture could give us. It's a it's a very low resolution way of looking at the world. You know, it really. Do you ever get the feeling like like it, it, it really upsets me sometimes the way that like. Race among other things, has really just been ingrained into our society and into our brains. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times I realize like, you know, certain things are wrong, mm-hmm. but it's like it's such a part of me mm-hmm. that it's hard to like get away from certain things. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got to happen. It sucks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, it, yes, it does. Because it's like you don't, you know, 
it's it's what you know. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's 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 what you know. You know, I used to do. Uh, so I did. My, I had my first psychedelic trip down in Florida off the mushrooms. And when I when I went there, I thought, okay, like this is what I've been. This is a huge taste of what I've been trying to get to. I knew that there was just something I was on the cusp of, like something right on the edge of my consciousness that I felt like I was trying to grasp at. Mm -hmm. And then I had this revelation. I was like, okay, this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like to be connected to people. Mm -hmm. This is connected to complete strangers. This is what it feels like to feel rooted. This is what it feels like to push your ego to the side Mm -hmm. and not just be thinking about things from Earl's perspective. And then I started doing, I told you there was one, there was one month, I think it was like of 2019, maybe it was maybe it was 18, where in the month of December, I had like four trips in a row. Like it was just, I just did them back to back. Like every week I was just having another trip. Mm-hmm. It was a point where I realized I wanted to be as far away from the normalcy that I had grown up to and grown accustomed to through my upbringing in life. Right. I knew that there was so much wrong in the way that I had been brought up in the way that I had been looking at things, the way that you're talking about that's been ingrained and it sucks to feel that. Mm-hmm. I knew that every time I took this trip, I was one breaking away from all those things. And I was able to just be the, the freest thinking version of myself. And that every time I came back, I wasn't quite who I was before I had went on the trip. Mm-hmm. So I knew I was getting further and further away from that person. And so it sort of became addicted in that sense, addicting in in the sense of leaving that old person behind. So I was like, well, I'm just going to keep doing these trips and I'm going to end up far away from all those shackles that I used to have around my ankles and arms and neck and soul, mm-hmm. which is what you're talking about. And then, And then, uh, you know, now, so now I'm in the position that I'm in now where I'm like, oh, shit, went kind of far. (laughs) (laughs) But anywho, but, yeah, no, I I completely understand what you're saying. It it, it definitely does suck to, but at least you can realize it, though. At least you, you're not a complete slave and you understand that you are enslaved (laughs) to, to, to certain things, you know. Psychologically. Yeah. All right. Now we can go on. What would you do if you were not afraid? This is hilarious. One, we're definitely going to have to throw away one of these cards because I'm about to answer it. One of these other cards that you said we're probably not going to use. I looked for it. When I first got this deck, I was kind of looking through them. And this answer is going to answer another one. Okay. The other one that it's going to answer is, what would you do if money wasn't an issue? So. Okay. For me, you and I had a conversation on the phone uh, maybe a couple months ago. (laughs) I was about to say something to you. You were like, hold on a second. Don't say it. Save it for the pod because this is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Okay. And I'm going to make fun of you. Okay. And we never got around to it, so we can do it today. Okay. I have no idea what you're talking about. I told you that I was going to once opt to be homeless. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Now, that's a very interesting way of, of answering this question. What would you do if you were not afraid? Slash, what would you do if money was not an issue? Mm hmm. In order to answer this question, you have to think about what you're afraid of, like what stops you from doing things. You can be afraid of many things, but doesn't necessarily stop you from doing what you want to do. You can be afraid of tarantulas. 
I can be afraid of a tarantula right now, but that doesn't necessarily stop me from going on an expedition to try to find the world's largest tarantula. Mm -hmm. That's not why I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in finding the world's largest tarantula, not because I'm afraid of them. I, I, I have no interest in going to do that. Right. So you can be fearful of things. It doesn't necessarily stop you from doing things in life. So I had to think about what I was afraid of that stops me from doing what I what I would love to do. And I came up pretty dry. The the only thing that I can really think of. And again, I said this to you and, and I said it in a funny way, but I think you'll take it a little bit more serious now. OK. This idea I had when I was probably around 21, 22 of just dropping out of life of the loop and just going and being homeless somewhere. The only thing that I'm really worried about in that, right, is just not having a decent place to put my head down uh-huh. and in guaranteed food every day. Right. Right. With some clothes. Yeah. But but these are, again, bare minimum things for people. Just some food every day, a place to lay your head with some maybe some heating, some AC, and, and clothes. Right. You know me. I don't need a lot. No. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> if I could, every time I needed money for clothes, food, a place to stay, transportation, could reach into my pocket and pull out the exact amount for that thing, I would today pack up some clothes and get on a train or a bus and just start going places. Okay. I would leave I don't have I don't care about these material things. I would leave this unit behind. I would leave everything and I would just get on. And so this also answers the question of if I was wealthy right now. Right. I you I would immediately you would immediately FaceTime me and I would be somewhere else. OK, I, I don't need anyone to go with me. If someone wants to go, that's cool. But I would just pick my stuff up and get on a bus or a train and just start going and I'd get a little hotel over here, mm-hmm. eat some food at this diner here, talk to people here, and I would just go places and talk to people. Okay. And just and just have experiences like a nomad. Right, right. That's that's what it would be. So that so that style of homelessness. <laughs> yeah, because I know that when I said it, it's just you wanna be sitting out on the street in DC just with a sign. Like that's what you want. So I'm, I just wanted to clarify <laughs> the the type of homelessness that okay. I'm speaking of because there's still because it's it's honestly still kind of an, an insensitive way of even using the word because I'm still talking about having everything that I need all the essentials yeah. the food clothes the water, you know all yeah. these sort of stuff so so I shouldn't even say that I should just say I would choose to be nomadic okay. And, and I would I would be I would be a wanderer, a wayfarer. I would okay. just be going places. I mean, I could see how that could be fun. I would have a ball that, doing. I it. could see that. I I make friends with it's people like, so easily. As long as you know you got the funds for it, I could absolutely see how that would be cool. Yeah. Okay. So that's so that's the answer to that question. Um. 
what would I do if I wasn't afraid? I would probably work 10 times harder on in anything. I often take the easy road. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. I it's 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 not that the work scares me. Mm-hmm. It's that it is indeed there and I will have to do it for certain things. And it's just like I just get timid. I'm just like, uh let me figure out another way I can do this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If I wasn't so afraid to just combat mm-hmm. certain things. Yeah. I would work 10 times harder in this world. Mm-hmm. I would probably have more rewards because I took more risks. Mm-hmm. I'd probably be more accomplished in a, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. The fear of, of, of combating things, of going up head to head against strenuous tasks. Yes. And, and what's crazy is a lot of times those tasks, sometimes I come around to doing them and it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. And I, I hate that. So again, this is this is you thinking ahead of yourself yeah. on things. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well let me let me pull let me pull this card, see what we got, see what we got for next week. What was your childhood dream? Have we done anything like this? Um, what was your childhood dream? I don't know. Um, not childhood dream. I, I we had one that said, "What do you want to achieve one day?" We had that. I mean, that could be and two different things. It it could, it could. My childhood dream and that achievement are the same thing. Well, I never, I never wanted. I mean, aside from like small things that. You know, that um, changed every week or a couple of weeks, like one week I wanted to be a ninja and then, you know, and then like for a few months I knew I wanted to be a chef. And then after that, I wanted, you know, but these things, none of them actually like held. Wanted to be a policeman. None of those things. Firefighter. I I always knew that my childhood dream was to, I just simply wanted to be happy. Mm -hmm. That's all I've ever wanted. That's a that's, mature dream for a child. Th- that's that's all of it. Yeah, I just I just wanted to be happy. That's all I've ever my wanted. My son wants to be an actor. Okay. All right. So hopefully we I can get him into Juilliard. Okay, you do do something. <laughs> I mean something. Support him. That's what he's told me. Yeah. No, I'm a, no, I'm, yeah. I'm a support him. Okay. So do you want to answer that question? And maybe I'll pull another one. I mean Um I don't I don't fucking remember. Do you too. even yeah, yeah. I don't really remember like yeah, this is what I want to yeah. do. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really know if I had that, to be honest with you. Okay. So, yeah, we can we can go ahead and skip this. What is something new you recently tried and loved? I feel like... Yeah, I feel like we've, we've in a sense, we've answered this one kind a, of A million times? Yeah. yeah, okay. What is most important to you? Bro, these joints... It's starting to get a little basic. Yeah, yeah. If you look, that's, that's how you know we've been really kicking these joints in the yeah. ass, because... <laughs> What is most important to you? I read that in my journal. Yeah. The other, the other day. Yeah. We about to go All through. Right. We about to go through these. Hold on a second. What does success look like to you? Okay. Uh, okay. You want to do yeah, that? We can do that one. What does success look like to you? All right. Yeah, and then and then I yeah. I mean this this money one. 
if money was not an issue, how would you spend your time? You can still do that one if you like. Um, I'm, I'll try to give. I'll, I'm gonna put it in here. What is it? If if money was what? If money was not an issue, how would you spend your time? All right. But all right. What does success look like to you? That is that is our card for next week. Okay. What does success look like to you? Mm. All right. We can do that. All right. Well, yeah, we're well over two hours, so we're good to go. You got uh, last words for the people? Um, last words real quick. Uh, usually my last words pertain to something that I've spoken about in the pod. Um, but I'm going to say that don't let what your past self, don't let your past self. Okay. No, no, no. Let me start over. Let me start Let's over. Let's do it. As an adolescent in the past, we see things a certain way. Don't allow those ways to always stick around. I went somewhere this last weekend, like I was telling you guys, the younger Keon was telling me, this is going to be boring. It's not going to be that tight, blah, blah, blah. The older Keon went down there and had a completely different experience. So as I do a lot, I hold on to the past. I dwell in the past. I think a lot about what could have been, you know, why is it this way? Blah, blah, blah. I think it's healthy to probably run it back one time, you know, with a different mindset. See what you think about that and decide if that's something that's really for you. Does that make make sense? Yes. Okay. Yes. Sometimes you have to Wait a little while and live mm-hmm. and allow life to give you a better prescription glasses. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so my last words are for everyone out there, no matter who you are, what it is you're doing, who you are to me, stranger, loved one. And also whether you see things the way that I do or not. Whether you see me as someone that is caring and helpful, well, whether you see me as someone that is that is a, a caricature of himself in an arrogant fool, in a charlatan, someone that believes that they know entirely much more than they actually do. However, it is you view myself, Keon, this podcast. I love you. those are my last words okay peace